I, I mean, this is not obviously exclusive to me because everyone deals with it on whatever level, you know. But but I, I, I actually literally said, and I still have this memory, when I started this whole rigmarole of getting into knife making and, and you know, just making stuff in general, I remember having a conversation, like, I can, I can literally picture it in my head. I remember having this conversation with myself in my head that was just like, this is it. I love this. I really, really love this. And I'm going to stick with it. This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode 17 of Epic Ordinary Lives. One of the main focuses of this podcast is hearing how other people handle situations. You know, when we hear how we when we hear other people's stories, it gives context to our own stories, to our own successes, to our own failures. When we hear how somebody phrased something the way that they put it it can it can click for us in a way that maybe we didn't even have language for that they got us without ever having experienced what we experienced and and that's the goal of epic ordinary lives and that's also really a, a huge part of episode 17 this is part two with my good friend, Logan Cook. Now, we pick up right where we left off at part one, which was heavily focused on how he became a professional fabricator, a metal worker, and a knife maker, and kind of his whole hero's journey to that regard. Part two, we go deeper. We dive far deeper into topics like failure. What do you, what, how do you handle failure? A promise that he made to himself early on when he chose to pursue his love of, of, of being a bladesmith. The whole question of should you follow your passion there's some really interesting takeaways there in, in a world lately where that's pretty much a, a cliche. You should follow your passion. He, he also goes into his process of, of how he builds a knife for a person, how he, how he, when he's commissioned to do work, what that process looks like. And you might, after hearing this, want to actually have him make a knife for you. It, it just, when you hear how in-depth his process is, it'll, it'll blow your mind. At least it did mine. So if you want to check him out, reach out to him, possibly even have him create a blade for you, you can find him on Instagram at blindmanbladesmith. Again, that is all together, blindmanbladesmith. 
And a few more topics that we cover, not to spoil all of it, but I, I just want to mention that we, we talk about when you get bored of the thing you love, which is something that I don't hear a lot of in the highlight reels of successful people talking. What do you do when you get bored? I truly loved this conversation. This went all over the place, but it's it's my favorite kind of conversation. It's like playing ping pong or ping ping pong or tennis. You're you're knocking the the ball back and forth. So, if you're enjoying Epic Ordinary Lives, I certainly appreciate you listening. The all I'm going to say this week is thank you to those who've written a review. It, it means so much. So without further ado, please enjoy part two with Logan Cook here on Epic Ordinary Lives. Well, and I have to imagine that in this process, because we've really talked about your beginning and this love affair, and then I have to imagine you dealt with a lot of failure as you've now to present day, if you look at your Instagram uh, you will, and again, you may not judge yourself in, in the ways that I will say, but again, I look at it and I go, holy smokes, that's an awesome looking knife. Like that is legit. That's beautiful pieces of all of it, metal, steel, uh, wood. It's beautiful pieces that were once disparate parts that are now a thing. Uh, and I think that's another point is that in this day and age, especially with how much we're online and how we're checking blogs or episodes, and there's always the new, the search for the new, and yet you're doing work that is very tangible, right? Like you can hold it up in your hand, and I do think that that's something that we're all kind of... You can cut yourself with it, <laughs> which I do all lot. And then put dirt in it, apparently, yeah. uh, through your actions. But what about your failures? What about... Man, they they range honestly, and and I I mean this is not obviously exclusive to me because everyone deals with it on whatever level, you know, but but I I I actually literally said, and I still have this memory when I started this whole rigmarole of getting into knife making and and you know just making stuff in general. I remember having a conversation, like I can, I can literally picture it in my head. I remember having this conversation with myself in my head that was just like, this is it. I love this. I really, really love this. And I'm going to stick with it. Wow. Like no matter what, I'm going to stick with it. So it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter how much trash you end up making. And, and, and to go on record, and this probably won't surprise you, but I've seriously probably thrown away more knives than I've made than I've sold. It doesn't surprise me, but that's still a key piece of this puzzle. But failure is uh it's only failure if you let it be failure. That's kind of how I choose to look at it. Um because failure implies that you've wasted your time, I guess. And to me, the way I try to look at it and I choose to look at it is if the final product does not come out the way that you intended, it's only a failure if you also didn't learn anything from that. Like why it didn't come out the way you wanted, like what you what you did wrong, what you could do better next time, you know? And that, that 
kind of does have like sort of a PBS sound to it, like kid, like sort of a kids show sound to it. But it's actually like a really high concept idea if you really kind of mold it around in the old noodle, which is just like you take take away from it everything that you possibly can, and there's a lot more value in that than than you might realize, you know. So yes, it sucks, and and on the surface, it it is a gut punch sometimes, you know, to to invest, you know, like like for example, I've as you said before, I've I've forged three katanas in my life. Not many humans can say that. Each one of them took about fifty hours to get to the point where I threw them in the trash. All of them. All of them. Can I have the next one that you're going to throw in the trash? <laughs> P.S. P.S. I'll take a horrible katana. I have zero katanas in my apartment. Uh, I need I need a kat- I need a bad katana. I don't think it'll be bad, but. And the reason is just because. Well, it's it's many it's many reasons, and a lot of them are per- are personal sort of things of just like. I have a tendency to sort of like, meddle with things, so like. Even if something is not good, I'll keep it and just be like, well, maybe I can fix it, you know, maybe I can polish that or, you know, do that or adjust this or whatever. And at a certain point, you just gotta, you just gotta accept the results and move on, you know what I mean? uh, Someone with more blue sensibilities might say you're polishing a turd. I would lose sensibilities. I don't know that I would say that, but some would. But at a certain point, you just gotta say, alright, I've spent enough time on this, like, it's never gonna be what I want it to be. So I literally just cut them into pieces and throw them in the trash. <laughs> I cut them into pieces because if I don't, I'll take them out of the trash. And continue to, to okay. muck with them. This is interesting, because this is a very conscious thing you're doing. This isn't just kind of the kid who... And there's kind of a, there's kind of a, f- a cool... Uh, honestly, there's kind of a cool... Something cool about just, like breaking it into pieces there's like a a weird finality to that where it's just like all right that chapter's over time to move on to the next thing and that's sort of refreshing in itself sure it's a discernment of it's kind of like the monks that do the mandalas you know about that it's sort of different maybe it doesn't the analogy doesn't apply I, i know that hipster girls get them tattooed on them true dad well the original uh procurers of mandalas were these monks and the whole purpose were uh, was that they i mean again i don't know much about this you can see uh, a great use of this in the movie uh, samsara that was at the bell court but the point is they create this work of art that has a lifespan and then they destroy it which is not exactly what we're talking about because you destroy it because it wasn't, but at the same time, it's kind of the same thing. You put in all this time, you hours of your own life, probably blood from your hands. You used money for it, and you go, nope, life is impermanent. It's going away. It's gone. And there's something powerful about that. Of course, in that case, it's an art piece that they consciously get rid of, but it's. It, I think it does sort of apply. It feels the same to me, at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, success is a journey. Not a destination. 
And so, they, that's that is totally cheesy, but honestly, like that's like one of the things that I run through my head constantly, all day, every day, because it's true. You know, I do it because I like to do it, not because of the, not because of necessarily the product that comes out of it. You know, and in many ways, it's kind of a byproduct of what I'm actually looking for out of it. Is the final product, you know, because because what I get out of it is is the process of doing it. It's almost like how they say the juice is worth the squeeze. Let's flip that and say the squeeze is worth the juice. Not sure if that exactly works, but it the squeeze is the fun part. The, these cliches, <laughs> I love the squeeze. The these cliches that you've re, you've referenced many a cliche, everything from falling in love to failing, but they're cliches for a reason, right? Like they're old data points of information that people with beards probably wrote on a rock or something and yet they are very smart they're very applicable they're they're timeless well that's the sucky thing about things becoming cliche is they lose meaning right after a while you know right but 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 if you if you really consider them for what their content is supposed to be like success is a journey not a destination you know it's because the journey is infinite you know, so it's like, on so like success is something that you never can achieve, really, and that can become an an unhealthy idea, an unhealthy idea, at a certain point. But you kind of just look at it as like, even in your personal life, like. I'm a better person than I was this time last year and next year I'm going to be a better person than I am now. And it's the same kind of thing for, for honing your craft or whatever it is that you want to do. You know, it's just like this knife is good, but it's not, you know, the balance is not perfectly right. Uh, you know, it should be balanced perfectly at the hilt or whatever, if it, depending on what kind of knife it is or, I didn't get the bevel on it perfectly accurate on one side, or there's like a little tiny scratch here that like no one will know, but I will never forget that one scratch. It's like that kind of stuff, but it's like you turn it loose out into the world and you, you remember that scratch for next time. And you know that you're not going to forgive yourself again if you let it go again. You know what I mean? Yeah, to take the fighting analogy again, uh, or the grappling analogy with jiu-jitsu, Henzo Gracie is one of the top, like, part of the Gracie family who are some of the pioneers of jiu-jitsu. And he actually, in his studio, has a picture of him having his arm broken by, I think, Sakuraba in this, like, iconic match. Sakuraba was known as the Gracie killer, and he went after every member of this family in fights, and he... Did a pretty good job. It's like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. That it is. Please make this movie. But he, With old, old Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> well, I'm sure he'd be willing to do it. but He'll do the splits anywhere. He still can. He still can. Uh, but he, he put that on there because the whole thing being, again, of course, that the mistakes, the failures are what... Those, that's what you learn from. You don't learn from the perfect finish where you knock somebody out in 30 seconds or i guess if a if a date goes very well without like you really you don't 
So the broken samurai swords are worth a lot. And you know what's uh, what kind of sucks about that, man? What you just said is like if like you could have said all the like we could have like I could have told myself all this stuff yes five years yes. ago and it would have meant absolutely nothing to cliche, me just a cl- another cliche that doesn't have because I didn't have any context for right. it you know but now uh, you know it all makes sense it's just like how you feel like whenever you get heartbroken every song about heartbreak on the radio you're just like this song was written about me suddenly they all become relevant yeah, and exactly. specific because now it's specific yeah as opposed to broad which is kind of boring so you know ultimately i just say like insert your interests here which is why i'm actually like very wary we're, we're kind of jumping off the rails a little bit but Self-help can be very helpful if it's the right self that's being helped. Your path is your path alone, and that's why it's very dangerous. Advice is very dangerous. Well-meaning advice can be very dangerous. The path is made by walking. There is no path. I think that's actually a quote. There is no path. The path is made by walking. But one of the things that I've heard a lot with in regards to doing the thing that you love, especially when you attach a monetary value, which you have already said is not really your goal. You love this for the sake, whether you're making anything or whether you're eating ramen noodles on the floor. Which I did last night, by the way. Well, and this reminds me of a hike memory where we were in an area that had uh, Native American roots. And do you know what I'm about to say? Uh, I don't know. I will once you yeah. say it. You shaman noodles. Oh yeah, shaman noodles. Sh- we have that on video somewhere. Yeah, we because I think we saw ramen noodles. Similar. Man, that's a classic joke. <laughs> yeah, you're a killer. Saturday Night Live Instagram.com. Call. Call. Yeah, what's your Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how do you? So, so some people say you should do what you love on the side, and you should work another job that is your primary income, which is kind of what you do, but how, yeah. do you f- how do you feel about that? What if you were making knives 100% of the time? Either way. Um, I have thought a lot about that. Uh, how do I feel about that? I don't know fully, you know, but um, there's a big part of me that thinks that if it becomes a job, it won't be as fun. Or anything like that. I will I will say briefly about sort of my business model, quote unquote, if it can be so be called, is uh you can you can buy a knife anywhere. Like literally almost every store you could go to the, the supermarcado right down here by Dunkin' Donuts and buy like a like buy a knife for three dollars out of their little spinning plastic case, you know what I mean? And it's like, I know that I can't compete on that level. So, when I first started, you know, I I went through several different sort of iterations of what I wanted my sort of, like, attack plan to be for this thing. And I just know that I can't compete on on price, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to happen because... Most things that we see are mass produced in China, you know, and and um, not to get political, but, you know, they don't pay their workers or anything like that. You right. know, 
that's how they can sell things so cheap is because it's why all of the, yeah exactly you know it's it's basically you know technically the cheapest labor is slavery so maybe it's the best business model i don't know uh, um, <laughs> don't put that on a t-shirt don't don't publish Definitely. that yeah so I guess trying to think outside of the box, my I went the other direction. I was like, okay, well, what's the opposite of that? What's the opposite of disposable? <laughs> the opposite of slavery. What's the opposite of slavery? It is capitalism. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's, that was a weirdly political thing to say. <laughs> but it was, it was heirloom. That's what right. I came up with. So I decided I want to make things that are like heirloom quality that are made specifically for people, but it's not made. I make it how I want to make it for this person. Basically, it's like, I'll tell you what you want. You know what I mean? And so that's how I do it. And and anything that's not that, I kind of like pass on. I'll just say like, I'm probably not exactly the guy that you want for this. You know, like I've got, I've I now have like a couple of people that I can, send people to or or websites or things like that but but the but the opposite is this was made specifically for you and and there's a uh, there's a magic to it and we don't have to talk about magic today but (laughs) i have i have many theories about that but we'll say briefly that i think uh magic with a k doesn't have to be a supernatural force per se. I think it can be all kinds of different things and and how I interpret it is intent. So I put intent into everything that I make and I I I obsess over it and I obsess over the details and I talk to the people face to face, you know, every person that I that I work with I, I talk to them face to face and I, I want to find out what what they want, what they like, what they're going to use it for. If it's for their wife or partner or, or whatever, it's like, I want to know about the people, you know, I want to know about the people that, that are like what their stature is. I like to know like how tall they are so I can kind of gauge roughly how big their hands are going to be. Oh, wow. It's like, and just like aesthetically, like, what are they into? You know, are they into like art deco sort of like simplistic black and white sort of design or, you know, do they like straight lines or curved lines? You know, it's like all that stuff. I think about all that stuff when I'm doing this. And, and I think that is magic quote unquote in so many words is just the power of intent so I'm thinking about these people when I'm doing this stuff and, and I'm sort of, I'm sort of trying to attune it to, to a person through intent, if that makes any sense. Gosh. I mean, that's, that's really more of like a this philosophical kind no, of thing. No, but, but what I want to say about that, uh, A, what, what an amazing, uh, this is a great, like if you're interested in this kind of service, I mean, this is. <laughs> we are, we're in deep here. And I don't, I don't really no, but what bring I wanna... this up to people, you know, that I, that I do, but I kind of surreptitiously do it, you know, like I look at what they, I look at what they drive to see yeah. if they're like flashy or not, you know, like, yeah, I, I look at what their job is because it, that tells me something about like, would they like something that's like more rugged or more like flashy, you know, 
But th- this is all actually looking at somebody. Yeah, it's just like, it, it's just taking the time to like observe things about people, you know? Which really, I think, is like all psychics do. Uh, and I think that's what, to a very base level, what we want is for somebody... I, I think, you know, one of the things I try to do if, if I ever buy a contributor magazine, which of course is the the magazine that homeless folks sell, I make sure that I look them in their eye. And I mean, I have a quick talk. But yeah, treat them like people. People want to be seen. And any sales book, it's very interesting because any sales book, one of the big revolutionary concepts they will uh, point towards is listening. The art of listening. There will be yeah, hearing and hearing. listening. And you're doing, A, two things. One thing, the art of saying no. In this world, that's extremely powerful. No, I don't think I'm the right fit for you. Number two, actually looking at somebody and take, taking the long view. And you didn't read a sales manual. These are things that... So again, I think those are highly applicable in any number of things you could do, but highly powerful uh, that's that's just kind of how I look at it. It's power, and that's that's ultimately like what I like about it, and and what gives me the best feeling is knowing that. And that's also why, like, there's been like two two knives that I made have been stolen from the people that I made them for. Wow! And it feels like such a violation like beyond just the the simple act of like larceny it's like that's not for you because i i i made it so personally for the person that it's for you know this is like harry potter with (laughs) wands or yeah dude exactly And, and and like i don't expect the people who who carry my things or buy my things to put to place as much importance on it as I do, but I think that's why people will come to me, you know, is because I will consider, I consider all these things, and I'm kind of a weirdo, you know? I'm kind of a weird dude, but I think I'm the brand of weird that... That Gotham needs. <laughs> but, but this is the thing, right? Like, we're only weird... I actually love weird people. I think that's why you and I get along so well but mm-hmm. the, the there's a passionate quality to weird there's a not a willingness to just walk the line or whatever but uh you know i mean you're not weird you, you these are your things and if you can align them with a specific purpose that actually fits suddenly you become the right person for that thing and you know what's really what's really dumb about it and dumb is is in like kind of a just a weird way is that it's not even the outcome. It's just the idea that you put the thought into it. Like, literally, it's like... Like, whether I grind... Like, like for example, whether whether I grind a kitchen knife at, at 25 degrees or 35 degrees, I, I, like, at a certain point, I have to make that decision. You know what I mean? Like, it's not arbitrary. Like, everything I do is, like, dialed in to the, to the like, pinpoint of, like, accuracy because I just can't handle inconsistencies. Like, you know what I mean? Just as a personality thing. But at a certain point, I have to make that call. And so there's consideration put into it. It's like, oh, I know this person. 
likes more vegetables than anything, so it's it would probably be appropriate if it has like a little bit of a a coarser grind on it. So like a thirty five degree grind because that's more of a chopping grind. You know what I mean? Wow. Or this person clearly is like a super macho man and he likes his red meat and stuff like that. He would probably be better served with like a slicing knife. And, you know, I'll tell them all this stuff when I give it to him and I'll say like, I made this more to be like a slicing type knife. So I ground the edge a little thinner, which means it's going to be a little more fragile. So you're going to have to, you know, be careful with it, take care of it. Or you might chip, you might chip out a piece or, or, you know, something like that. Also, I, I quenched it to be a little bit harder than a normal knife, so it'll hold its edge better, but it's also going to be harder to sharpen, so if you need to sharpen, you can just bring it back and I'll do it or whatever, you know? It's not even like, they don't give a crap about that the stuff. The specifics are hard. Like, yeah. They couldn't care less about whether their their thing that I made them is a 35-degree cutting edge or a 25-degree cutting edge or whatever. But the fact that I put the thought into it, that's where the value comes in, I think, for them and for me, you know? It's love on both ends. It's love, yeah. So so that's kind of where I took my uh, my ideas for for the things that I wanted to make is just because I just want them to be personal, you know? They're personal for me. So I just want them to be personal for other people too. And that's... Like, and honestly, like, I've, I've had to talk people out of buying my stuff before. Um, this girl, um, that I had a, a vague acquaintance with through internet, I don't know, she was like a friend of a friend or something. I never even met her, but we were friends on Facebook somehow. She got her first job as a chef, and she was like, I really want you to make my chef's knife for me. I remember this. And, uh... I had to put so much energy into talking her out of it because I'm just like, listen, you could like, trust me on this. I've, I've got so much experience in this field on all sides of it. You could do so much better for, for less money than one of my knives. I was like, they're not for that. You know what I mean? They're not specifically made to be like ultra high performance things because you know, when it, comes down to it i just don't have the resources to to deal with that kind of steel like you can buy super steels i can't remember the uh the ultimate version of chef's knife these are the things you would buy at one of those like uh high-end yeah cooking like well like my my i'll just use mine as an example my chef's knife or messermeister's um, Messermeister. Doesn't that mean knife master? I think so. In Deutsch? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's like a CPM, high chromium, magnesium, silicone. These are super strong steel. words. It's, like it's, it's an alloy, you know? And, and it takes fairly sophisticated equipment to heat treat it pro- properly with any degree of accuracy. So I can't really do that. So... I don't try to because I know that I can't do it good. You know, I know I can't do it well or as good as these other guys. And the fact is, you know, like I'll sell, I'll sell somebody a knife for 300 bucks. You know, my professional chef's knife costs like 150 bucks. Right. And it's like 10 times better than the knives that I usually make for that purpose. Right. But 
That's not what I'm trying to do. That's not the field you're playing in. So it's kind of... I just try to play to the strengths that I know I can achieve. And I just... Right now, I just don't bother with the things that I know I can't do well. Or as well as, as someone else. So that story basically just ends with me, like, fighting with all of my power to talk someone out of buying having you know commissioning a knife from me where i'm just basically saying i will i will take your money if you if that's what you want i will take your money and make you this thing i am telling you as a professional chef as a knife maker as someone who like is they at work they they jokingly call me the hank hill the hank hill of steel because the way Hank Hill is with propane is the way I am with metal. Like a wizard? I'm just obsessed with it. Okay, that's King yeah. of the Hill. Just yeah. for the shout out to Mike Judd. Uh, yeah, Judge. Instagram. Uh, <laughs> um, I was like, I will take your money and I will make you a thing that's the best that I can do. But it's not in your best interest for you to to allocate your resources this way. And I'm just telling you straight up, like, from the person who would benefit most from this transaction, I'm telling you that this is not what you need. And if you insist, I'll give it to you against everything that I'm telling you. But, you know, it's just, that's a weird, that's a really weird thing to have to do is to, like, talk someone out of giving you money. It's a very, very interesting. And also, I mean, again, that's, very, I want to say mature, you know, like both of those things, playing to your strengths, uh, fighting where you can actually win, and then also like not allowing people to not to not allow you to stand by that. Well, it's just I know what I can do well, mm-hmm. and I know what I can't do well, and I just don't want to put a thing out because everything that I put, you know, everything that you put out represents you. It's, it represents everything that you've ever done in that area. Oh, man. Not just that one thing. It's like, um, and that's something that Drew, you know, really instilled in me at Grand Palace because he, he has, like, incredible, horrible, nightmarish eyes for details, which is a nightmare sometimes to work for. It's spoken from someone who is... <laughs> But at the same time, like now that's inside me somewhere and I can't get rid of it however I however I try. Painful gift. Yeah, totally. But that's what makes him the best, you know? And that's what I want to be eventually is well, you know, the best that I can be, not necessarily the best objectively. Another uh, cliche there. I'm going to stop this and we're going to immediately jump back in. I just don't want to lose what we've done because this is great stuff. And then I have a question I've been screaming in my brain wanting to ask you. We're going to take a short break and you'll hear from our sponsors. Bagel the Cat. Hit it, Bagel. Loot Crate. (laughs) Okay. So, welcome back. (laughs) That was me making fun of you, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. I see how it is. (laughs) Um, How about that sponsor? (laughs) Thank you, Bagel, for... Thank you uh, to Loot Crate and uh, <laughs> and uh, BlueApron.com. 
What, what's another common one? Uh, Squarespace. Uh, Build a better website. What's the mattress? Casper. Casper mattress. It's built with three layers. Two yeah. foam and one mystery layer. Me Including Avena. <laughs> Me undies is made from sustainably sourced Modal. <laughs> this is all getting cut. This is all getting cut. By no, the way, no, leave it in. Yeah, but we're not. We're not sponsored. No, by but they'll see how good. Yes, they can rep their brand. That's right. All of you. All the underwear. All. All of those. I want an underwear made out of Casper mattresses. Make it happen, Casper, and and it comes in a loot crate in the shape of a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> okay. All right, and we're back. I want a race car bed. <laughs> Get get this man a race car bed, Casper. Uh, in the midst of us talking about love and all the things, like being devoted to this, uh, what I'm curious about is do you ever get bored with this? Do you feel bored with because this is a very technical skill and there's a lot of steps and you've talked about how you got to get the temperature just right and you're going to consider all these aspects to me, I immediately look and I go, oh man, like, is that ever a grind? You want to know the ultimate dull answer? Yeah. Ironic, sort of ironically. Yeah, I get bored with it. <laughs> I just do something else for a while. Because I have definitely, I have definitely recognized about myself, I do not do good work when I am not feeling it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just like uh well i don't know i'm not even gonna try to use an analogy it's just like yeah sometimes some days i don't want to mess with it some days i'll try to mess with it and i'll 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 look at myself and be like man i'm doing like such crap right now i'm just wasting my time being here and i'll just won't do it i'll come play video games or something like that you know because i'm not getting anything out of it at that point you know and i go through phases where sometimes i really want to do some woodwork and sometimes i really want to like do some metal fabrication i want to build like a huge table or you know w what have you and i'll just do that you know i i, I mean it's, it's a little different if i if i'm actually working on a deadline or something <clears throat> um because you kind of got to make it happen you know um in which case, that's usually why I do a lot of it on the weekend, and I don't waste my weekends. Good. Because I can actually, you know, I can rest, distract myself a little bit, and kind of forget about it for, for a few hours, come home, watch a movie or something, and then the next day I'll be like, alright, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. I'm ready to get back in there and, and knock this thing out. So, uh, whenever I get bored, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't force myself to do it you know what i mean because that's just not what it's about to me and that's kind of the reason why i don't particularly know if i would ever take it to like a professional a pro 100 percent yeah, of the yeah, time like a full-time job level is just because i just it's you know forcing yourself to do something you don't want to is just like not productive and also a recipe to take that which you love and now make it perhaps something that you've got to grind. I think what you're saying, too, is a really good thing because sometimes I think in life we see 
masters of certain crafts and they like to talk a lot about how you know Michael Jordan he dribbled till the sun went down and even you in this conversation have talked of your ability to do these minute very technical things to watch the videos every night to fall asleep to them but even you I think that's a very healthy thing just to, for people to hear if for me to hear that sometimes you don't want to do that thing that you love too yeah, I mean, you just got to be able to know when it's in your best interest to walk away all around. You know what I mean? All around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all around in your best interest sometimes to just set it down and walk away from it for a little while, just like anything, you know? You get too close to it, and but like typically the days where I work like a 14 hours straight are days where I'm like super psyched about what I'm working on. Right. It's like... And the time just flies by. Like, I, I definitely do want to be doing this right now. Like, you know, you, you start seeing this thing take take shape and it's looking like super awesome. And you're just like, man, I can sleep tomorrow. You know, it's fine. <laughs> like, I just want to keep doing this right now while I'm feeling it, you know. So yeah. you just kind of. The muse. That's I think that's the good thing about. I mean, how it ties into your 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 brand, you know, is mm-hmm. is the whole no weekend wasted idea is that. That's what your weekends are for, man. They're like free for you to for you to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and and afternoons and stuff too. It's like, do you know? Allow yourself some time to to take away from it. You know, I'll go through spells where I. So we were talking about grinding and sometimes feeling it and sometimes not feeling it, and then my four gigabyte memory card had all it could take (laughs) and thankfully you had a memory card so thanks there no problem anywhere else you wanted to go on that notion of balance and but and i'll say cowboy do you know the mma fighter cowboy cerrone Mm -hmm. donald donald cerrone he is a perfect example of this guy that is at his best when he kind of allows himself to not have that puritanical approach to training. So instead, he trains really hard, and he's doing Jedi stuff in the cage right now. He moved up to 170. He was fighting at 155. Anyway, the point is, he goes waveboarding and jumping out of planes and skydiving and takes a trailer around. He has fun, and he he's kind of this symbol for doing the fighting thing but then taking a day off as well oh yeah it's important i think i think it's really important because it's just like what are you really accomplishing if you're like forcing yourself to power through i mean you know like i said certain sometimes you just don't have any choice but i think the idea is to try not to get yourself into situations where you have to plow through when you don't want to because you just don't you're just not going to do as good. And again, another advantage of not making the thing you love mm-hmm. perhaps your vocation. Mm-hmm. Can you take us through your... Tim Ferriss asks the question in this way. He says, you know, what's the first 90, or 90 to whatever, 60 to 90 minutes of your day look like? But what what is, what is the first stage of, of an average day for you? Dragging myself out of bed, that takes a while. Always. <laughs> uh, of my of my physical day, I just wake up, get ready, 
Bagel and I brush our teeth together every day. She sits on the sink. Um, I feed her, grab whatever I need to grab, and head out the door. Sometimes I grab some to eat on the way, and sometimes I won't. If we have installs to do, usually I'll have to get there earlier. But things have been like a little slow for this season because we knew we were going to take some time off still. So lately I've been getting there 10, 11-ish. And we kind of just hang out, figure out what we're supposed to be doing, and then do it. So you do have an opening kind of focusing get together. Yeah, kind meeting. of. I mean, I no, I wouldn't say that we discuss business whatsoever in those conversations. Okay, it's not really like that. It's we we pretty much always just know what we're supposed to be doing because the thing about that about fabrication is just like it's usually a days long process of something that you're working on. So. Oh, and in that way, it really is that beginning, middle, and end kind of, because you do, at the end of that very day, have a, a product. Mm -hmm. Because the way we do it is, like, we, it's rare that all three of us are working on one project, um, or if we are, we're all working on different components of it, so it's not like we're really working together all that much. I mean, we do sometimes, you know, but, but a lot of times, like, Zach will be working on a job, and I'll be working on a different job. And Drew will be working on a different job. Or he'll be working on stuff for both of them, you know? <clears throat> so the only time we really are, like, all working on one thing together is when we do installs and stuff. So, And those are fun and horrible. Like, meaning that you're actually putting it, like, installing it where mm -hmm. with the people that commissioned it? Yeah, on site. Either at... Uh, somebody's house or at a restaurant or whatever. Now, one of the things that you've told me is that you basically don't have a day that you don't do anything. Now, you've already mentioned that some days you do just that, like you do kind of designate. But you kind of work seven days a week. And clearly, I mean, you, you start work later sometimes. You have a flexible schedule. There's a, there's It's not your grind in that you have to be there at blank time sometimes it sounds like you do but you work often seven days a week there's there's really never a day where i just don't do anything because i just go crazy because you do go into the shop every day yeah yeah pretty much or at the very least i uh i'll work on something at the house I keep all my leatherworking stuff here, so I'll have something to do here if I get bored. So sometimes I'll, I'll make like sheaths or something for my knives, or other people will bring me knives that they own that they just want a sheath for. So in a weird way, I also kind of have like a weird leatherworking side project also. <laughs> um, just because there's not a lot of people that do like hand stitched leather and the only reason i do it is because i'm too poor to buy a sewing machine <laughs> <laughs> the I, mother of uh necessity the mother of invention right i don't have a lot of money but i do have a lot of time so hand sewing it is there you go 
So yeah, I keep all my leatherworking stuff here so I so I can always do some of that if I want to. Or I'll just go around and look look at tools and stuff like that. Like at Home Depot. Yeah. Home Depot or I'll go, you know, like I'll buy lumber and work on stuff like that. But, you know, you I can't really count on doing stuff in the afternoons because a lot of times I'm just like too tired after, right. you know, doing a full day of metal everything. Plus, you know, it's like, I'm not like not to oversell it or anything, but like we basically lift weights for a living. So it gets a little tiresome some days. Some days it's not so bad, but... <clears throat> And that's a, a very important thing, I think, is knowing when you're at your best for creative stuff. Like when you gel, I, I know when I try to write for No Weekend Wasted, I'm a thousand times better if I do it when I get up, like in the morning. Mm. And especially on a Saturday morning, I can make the best. It's just it flows and I've got energy for it. But you've made a lot of things and you've talked about failure and you've talked about the process. What is something, and just take us through kind of the whole aspects of it that you're really proud of? And I know you're like a hyper self-critical person, but what is something lately that that you really have been proud of? Honestly, the, I think the base thing is just that I that I kept my word to myself and I stuck with it. And so every time I do something, I'm just happy. I'm happy that I was able to do that, you know. It's kind of a test of will, but I think that also comes back a little bit to not forcing it if you're not totally feeling it or whatever. P proud, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm like a pretty hypercritical person, but, oh, I guess I guess one thing I, I will mention is that, uh, as a Christmas gift, my parents um, wanted to get my granddad, they wanted me to make him a knife, you know, for Christmas. And he's been, like, kind of in increasingly poor health or decreasingly good health, I, you know, whichever you prefer. Double negatives or however you want to go. Um, <clears throat> so I thought they, I think they thought it would kind of lift his spirits and stuff to get something like that. But he was in the Marine Corps, so I, uh, I suggested, like, well, have you guys ever seen, like, a K-Bar? You know what a K-Bar is. It's kind of like a standard uh, Marine issue knife. And for a, lot of, for, not a, for a lot of knife enthusiasts, it kind of represents, like, the military, you know? And while I can't make a K-Bar, because that's a brand, I can make a facsimile thereof <laughs> uh, which I've been calling a J-bar <laughs> but so basically I I did a little research on those and kind of got the style that I wanted and you know obviously I put some spins on it because I don't want to just copy I would never just copy somebody's thing because at that point you might as well just buy that thing right <clears throat> so I it was it's kind of my interpretation we'll say my interpretation of a K-bar but it turned out well, and it was wickedly sharp, which I don't know if you saw the video. Is that the one? Yeah. And my arm is still naked. 
Yeah, he is right now holding up his arm, and he has a, a let's say, dolphin soft top of his arm, and that's a very specific jab at Logan, too, who his whole life has had issues with dolphins, almost a blood feud, you could say. Uh, well, this is not the right podcast for that, Yeah, because there's going to be a lot yeah. of strong language yeah. involved. So you and I will do a, uh, <laughs> a special bonus episode that you can buy, maybe, on iTunes. No, I don't People know. bring that up to me, like, almost every day, really? <laughs> just to watch me go. <laughs> Well, you hear you heard it here, folks. If you want to, if you want to know what that means, I want to rub dirt in a dolphin's face. Okay, that's that, it will <laughs> stop right there. That's a teaser. I'm gonna tease that out. <laughs> and, but uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like it, it is kind of like a joke. But I wrote on that post: bald arms are the sign of a good knife maker. The way a fat chef is the is the is the mark of a good restaurant. You know. So yeah, I have I have very bald arms and i actually no one would know this but i actually have like bald patches on my legs too patches yeah well yeah, yeah. because i run out of arm hair yeah just sections though you don't and finish. so i'll start shaving little patches like swatches out of my leg hair. <laughs> i don't think i've ever heard swatches attached to leg hair well that's but... what it looks like it looks like a little swatch of bare skin like a plot of land yeah it's like yeah exactly fresh Fertile soil. Because it ain't worth a diddly if it don't cut. Piddly. That's not my catchphrase or anything. That's just, you know. The basics of knife making. making. (laughs) One of the questions that I like to ask kind of at the end, and this is another Tim Ferriss question, is what advice would you give your 18, 19... 20 just that range self just give up <laughs> quit now <laughs> just quit, quit now it's all it's not it's it's not worth it bro relax that's it no just like quit okay <laughs> okay is that a good answer? <laughs> yes, after after lots of inspiration and talk of love and commitment to a project uh, you know what? To be honest, I wouldn't tell him anything because he wouldn't listen. So mm. you have to be ready for for a change, for a change to happen. So I, there's nothing. I was like a, I was like an especially crappy eighteen year old. Um, so I, I honestly think I wouldn't waste my almost thirty year old words on on that person. Because in a lot of ways, I have that person in my life, in, in my brother, because he's a lot like I was at his age. Shout out to Ian. <clears throat> Don't follow him on Instagram. Um, and, you know, he's got all the same attitude problems that I had when I was his age, so I can't tell him anything. So I know I couldn't tell myself anything. But t- to answer the spirit of the question, I guess... I think that's a great answer. I just want to say, continue with what you're doing. I actually think that's a valid, good answer. But if I could, if I could flip it a little bit and say, just like to an everyday Joe, I would just say, your job doesn't have to be your passion. I'm lucky in that because through a series of of good circumstances and. And, you know, personal preparation, 
I have managed to have a job, like a career that is also very much in line with the things that I like to do. In what is it? They, I think they say, uh, I don't know who said it, but it's like luck equals preparation meets opportunity. Right. So um, I would just say, like, you're, you know, you have to have a job to live. That's just a fact. You know what I mean? So, but your time, and I think the whole idea behind your brand is your time can be used for whatever you want. And I think a lot of people fall into this cycle of just being a couch potato on their days off. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because cover. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's what you tell yourself. Even though you sit in a, you may sit in a chair all day, and you take the weekend to sit and recover from that. But in know, a softer I'm not, chair, I'm not going to take jabs at people for for their jobs, you know. But but uh, use that time to better yourself in some way, no matter what that means for you. Like if you're if you're if your zen is like working on your yard or doing leather tooling or building bird houses or or whatever you know i think i just think everyone should have a, a reason for living for lack of a better term because that's really what it is you know it's like especially and and it's never more true than if you have a just kind of like a daily grind type job because i've had jobs like that and it's it feels like it's taking your life away from you. You know what I mean? At times. And it kind of makes you depressed and make you not really want to do anything in your free time. But I think it's just, um, look, I, there's nothing special about me whatsoever. No matter what my grandmother says. <laughs> um, shout out to grandma. Yeah. Shout out. And I just, I only say that to say that if I can do, if I can go from like someone who doesn't know anything about this world and and now I know how to do like all kinds of stuff, it just, and you know, it just shows that like dedication and persistence eventually will pay off, even if you're a total dullard. Just the simple act of repetition, eventually you will make something out of yourself. I, I love that as a motivational speaker. <laughs> it's like, just do it over and over again. Yeah. And uh, you have a lot more time than you think. You're just not using it well. And I think one of the things that's refreshing about what you're saying is... I think right now, as part of our cultural unconscious, or just part of, maybe it is more conscious, but there's this mentality of like, you don't have to do your grind, quit your job and sell flower arrangements that you've created, and maybe that will work. But I do if you're yeah, if you're like one of a billion people, one of the most successful, there's just there's a difference between following your passion and being like stupid. You know what I mean? Yes. Like. Like, if I had said, 
I want to be a knife maker. I'm going to quit my job and just be a knife maker. I would have starved to death already. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be one extreme or the other. It It's like a transitional period where you do what you have to do to take care of yourself because I'm not going to, I'm not going to fully get into it. Um, it's, it's basically just empowering yourself to achieve your goals. That's all it is. You know, it's just like, use the time that you have to do what you can. And even if it's an hour on Saturday and an hour on Sunday, over a period of time, you will get better and better and better and better. It's like, it doesn't go backwards, per se. So it's like, it's a cumulative process of becoming what you want to be. It's not like you flip a switch and then all of a sudden I'm a woodworker now, you know? Just because like buying all the tools doesn't make you a woodworker just makes you a guy with a bunch of tools. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if you, if you've got a, if you work at Allstate and you, or, or we'll say generic insurance name and you want to be a woodworker, buy some, buy some small tools, buy a couple of chisels and a piece of wood and like try to make something and, see if it speaks to you on a more than a surface level you know what i mean and if it does then you feel a little more comfortable and confident about investing more money and more time into it then it's it it snowballs and if it's right for you i think it probably will snowball especially if you have like a decent job it'll snowball pretty quickly but i just i just want everyone to to do something that makes them happy because ultimately it makes things better for all of us <laughs> true that like if you are like if you if you're just in line and there's a grumpy cashier because their life is bad you're just like i wish that you were happier about this yeah <laughs> you yeah. should be a painter and then you'll be happier. But I don't know. Or whatever your version. No one's gonna give it to you, though. No. You gotta you gotta do it. You have to claw and fight for every hour or minute, especially if you are in one of the many situations, either from a financial perspective or you've got four kids or whatever the case may be. But then you will never ever run out of excuses. Exactly. And the work that you do can be a symbiotic relationship with the work that you want to do. As you've spoken, it can help feed it because no longer have you put that pressure on it. And man, I think that's a good way to close out with what you said. The world needs you to be better and to find what you love. The world needs you to be a better version of yourself because the rest of us are tired of putting up with it. In in key and typical, uh, both loving and annihilating fashion. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just like, I mean, you know, who am I to give advice? But at the same time, all I can say is like, what worked for me? 
And what worked for me was just trying a bunch of different stuff until I found something that I liked enough to try it again and then try it again and try it again and try it again and make a bunch of horrible stuff that you're ashamed to show anybody. But at the same time, you'll do it because you're excited. You know what I mean? And if you're lucky, you'll have a supportive group of people around you that will facilitate your learning and your interests and they will give you dollars breadcrumbs for them and speaking of the trajectory that you've made from uh absolute painful pieces that you would hide from your grandmother to where i would find you now where you're cutting off your arm hair and posting videos of it online, which is, of course, the pinnacle of success. Um, <laughs> what, where can people find you? Just if they want to look more at your stuff or just want to reach out to you. My Instagram pretty much acts as my website because I don't... Well, I haven't yet had time to make... Well, excuses, excuses, you know. My priorities are otherwise in in favor of, of making my like honing my craft other than um spending resources and time on a website so far my instagram is a uh, blind man bladesmith which is poignant yeah i meant to talk about that specific <laughs> title more you you can if you'd like we'll save that for my next visit all right you're already a two-parter yeah, so Instagram.com slash blindman. Well, it's not a website, but if you go on Instagram, you can go to the search bar. And if you push the search bar, a keyboard will appear on your smartphone. And you can type in blindman bladesmith. And it's a picture of Nosferatu. So check out my stuff. And if you like it, uh, hit me up. I love to make, I love to make knife for you. And you've already heard, folks. He will give a level of attention that is... May make you uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, you heard it here first. Any parting words? Everyone needs a good knife. And with Blind Man Bladesmith, now you can too. And thus ends part two with Logan Cook. Thank you so much for listening. You know, just after listening to that again, I think some of the the real takeaways for me that were powerful were the promise that he made to himself at the beginning of his passion with knife making. It seems that he had identified a pattern in his life where he, he was not always able to stick through things. And, you know, I get that. I get that kind of when it comes to reading books, you know, or, or, or other skills that are not necessarily always flashy, always exciting. To finish a book, to go all the way through, it, it's going to require that you grind at some point. And it's kind of a balance of both. That was the other part that I really liked in this episode is kind of that balance, that, that ability to walk away from the thing you love. Maybe don't turn your passion into a career. Maybe have both. Maybe have your career and have your passion. I think I remember Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, saying, and I'm paraphrasing, that she, one one night when she was, this is the subject of being a writer, she made a promise to the act of writing, to her creativity, that she would never put pressure on it 
to take care of them, to feed them. And as a result, when she did write, it could come from a place of, of love. And maybe other folks would disagree with me on this. You know, I would love to, if someone has a, a completely other side that you sh- 100% should find what you love and do that for a living. If, if that is your view, come on the podcast. Let's talk about it. I love this stuff. Because when we talk about this kind of stuff, it, I don't know, it just makes every ounce of life, every early morning with not enough sleep, every long work day, every good moment, when we hear how other people experience them, means we're not alone. So next week, I will be back with another ordinary person who's living an epic life. And until then, have a great day.